Welcome to the Pardes Nayeka podcast on inspired parenting. Dasi Berkowitz, director of Becoming a Soulful Parent, together with Tova Leah Nachmani, Pardes faculty member, will be reflecting on spiritual practices that can help us prepare for the holiday season ahead of us. For source sheets to accompany this podcast and for more online Torah learning for the holidays, visit www.elmod.pardes.org. Hi everyone, this is Dasi Berkowitz, director of Ayeka's Becoming a Soulful Parent program, here with Tova Leah Nachmani, a beloved teacher at the Pardes Institute for Jewish Studies in Jerusalem. And we are um, in our second edition in this very crazy time leading up to Passover on um, soulful ideas for the longest meal of our lives, right, uh, for Seder night. Um, And what we wanted to do today is really share with you some of the kind of most treasured moments and uh, and and ways in which we've made Seder night come alive for our families. Mm-hmm. And there was a great Rambam that you were telling me about. That's right. So there's um, in the Haggadah it says that in every generation, every person is obligated to see themselves. I'm obligated to really see myself, which means to like feel as if I came out of Egypt. And that's really a tall order. And maybe impossible for most people. Mm. Because most people can't... I mean, because we weren't slaves, and we weren't there. And if we had some other experience of slavery, then maybe we could really be into that. Right. But most of us did not experience that. So Rambam, Maimonides, um, he says we could actually think about this and read it differently. He said that in every generation, every person is obligated to show up to show themselves, to portray themselves as if they came out of Egypt. And that's a whole different mindset. It's basically saying, be creative. Show by the ritual what you do, right? Show by the ritual that you're a slave. I, I know you don't feel like a slave. Mm-hmm. I know that. I know that's not real. But show up for it. Pretend. Be in it. Right? Somehow we have to relive that night of Seder night, which was the Seder night that the Jews experienced in Egypt right. before they came out of before they came out of Egypt. And we have to be able to re- to relive that in a way that even even though we really weren't, even right. though it's really not, right. it's not us. It's not where we are. But we go through those motions, and that's the exciting, creative part. That like that's our jumping board for like saying, okay, what right. are we going to do with this? Wow, wow. So when we think about it, um, and we're looking at the fifteen stages to the seder. You were joking with me earlier that when we were preparing for this, that sometimes your kids are like, stop with all the creativity, mom, you know? And so we just, um, to let you in on a secret, we're like looking over this long file of like all of the ideas that we've written down. And, you know, I think we wanted to share some of them just by way of kind of letting you into our family lives. I know that for me, you know, there was this whole, um, there was this whole development from when I was a child being at my grandmother's Seder, my grandfather's Seder, to when my father would lead Seder. And it was, he was very active. My parents were very active in the Soviet jury movement. And so everything was about, you know, us reliving the exodus of Egypt by remembering what our brothers and sisters and the former, now the former Soviet Union were experiencing back then when it was um, the USSR. And then my sister and I took it over, and we were, you know, went to Pardes, and we 
and had all these other kinds of experiences in Israel and learning institutions and uh, and our, we brought much more of a kind of a psychological take or a psychological emotional viewpoint of it um, and it's relating a little bit to I think we were talking about um, this idea um, in our last podcast of the phys- different levels of of slavery that we can recount on Seder night, right? There's the physical, um, there's the spiritual, and there's the emotional. Mm-hmm. So there's so many ways that, for, that we can really approach it. Mm-hmm. I think what we're thinking about in terms of Seder is the transitioning from the physical slavery to liberation, from a sense of spiritual slavery, whatever that is, we'll talk about that a little bit, to spiritual liberation. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. And from emotional sort of... Cl- the sense of being closed and being you know, emotional slavery to a place of openness, to a place mm-hmm. of greater openness and ability to share uh, about our own journeys and our own stories and our own liberations and transformations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I think that just to add this other piece that I'm so moved by um, and I'm thinking a lot about is um, Daniel Kahneman wrote this book called Thinking Fast and Slow, and he talks about these two selves that we have, that we carry around with us all the time, our experiencing self, right, the, the person that just experiences their life in the day-to-day, and our remembering self, mm-hmm. the person that kind of um, makes sense and meaning of their life, kind of looking retrospectively. And oftentimes, the remembering self is really what dominates um, our lives. And what I find fascinating about Seder Night is it's an opportunity to kind of create a um, an experiencing self, right? Like this experience of us mm-hmm. leaving Egypt um, while we're remembering the story. You know, mm-hmm. so it's a kind of a confluence of those two aspects of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to just kick us off um, by thinking about the, you know, just even the setup for Seder. You know, in these days um, before Passover, you know, what does it mean to think about um, involving everyone on the process of creating the Seder experience? Often there's like, if you're leading the Seder, if it's your first time and it's like, oh, what am I supposed to do? I have like these three or four Haggadahs in front of me and, um, you know, it's, it's overwhelming. But to think that we have stages of the Seder um, that we can really, um, you know, that, uh, that that we can really kind of give out parts of it, some of the parts that are the most meaningful for us, um, you know, that we really want to highlight. Um, mm-hmm. And to really involve everyone in this pedagogical tool, which is called Seder Night, right? It's a really great educational experience for, or tool um, for us to be able to kind of give over this central story um, in our people's history. Absolutely. So let's jump in. Where does the Haggadah even begin? Um, when we start with, well, we start with candle lighting for sure. Um, but to the very first thing on the on our series is Kadesh um, is, is making the first um, blessing over wine and um, and and really elevating the whole experience to one that's holy. Um, I remember for us um, once we would just give out different. Um, there are four cups of wine um, during the Seder night, plus Kos Elijah, Elijah's cup. And we would often just ask people to um, each take one of those cups of wine and dedicate it to somebody for them that represented freedom, the fight for freedom, the fight for 
liberation, someone that experienced um, personal redemption, and um, and it was an, an amazing thing, really, to just offer a l'chaim um, mm-hmm. to these amazing people and figures, whether they're political or um, people in our community or even people in our own families. Mm-hmm. We did it once here by telling this one year we did that by telling the story of uh, the Ethiopian Jews and their trek and their very very dangerous trek through Sudan and how they made it to um, Israel. And there's a beautiful beautiful song that we passed out all the lyrics and had everybody sing about their journey and about how they lost family members along the way and that there were robbers and so many dangers and about how, but how they never forgot that really that you know like one foot in front of the next and that they were mm-hmm. going to make it to Jerusalem. It's mm-hmm. this very moving, very very, very evocative song that wow. everybody sang together and people really had tears in their eyes. Wow, amazing. Um, amazing. We, um, we did this other thing for Orchatz, which is the second, second uh, stage in our Seder, um, which was, is the hand-washing that we do without a blessing. Usually we wash our hands and then say hamotzi, the blessing over, uh, over bread or here over matzah. And we wanted to do something, I remember in our, in our Seders, where we wanted to kind of prepare ourselves for our own personal liberation, right? What does it mean for us to have things that limit and stifle and enslave or kind of make us um, short-sighted, um, short-sighted in our in our day-to-day lives? So we would pass around, this was like the most complicated thing to do logistically, mm-hmm. so we'd pass around a big basin of water with a, a cup or a netlan um, and a and a little washcloth or or hand towel, and we'd have everybody um, wash over the hands of someone who was sitting next to them. So, like, the complexity was just compounded. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... uh, and we asked everyone to say something that they would want to wash away, mm. um, something that kind of keeps them um, closed and closed off. And mm. so, what were the, some of those things? Just beautiful things were shared, you know, like closed mindedness or um, judgmentalism or um, uh, insecurity, mm. um, personal insecurity mm. or shame. Mm. You know, so even at the very beginning of the Seder, and this is when if you set kind of the right tone, beautiful things can be shared. And I found um, that that my kids would even now have a 10, 8, and a 6-year-old, and now they're, they, they notice that something is happening around the table. Mm-hmm. And so they also, first of all, they love the water, but they mm-hmm. also really want to um, also participate in it. Mm-hmm. Very nice. The very first time we did it, my father was like, nope, I'm good, nothing. <laughs> I don't really need to do anything. But, then, but now he's become much more um, psychologically in tune. Mm-hmm. And what about for you? Um... For us, the next piece we're thinking about is karpas, uh, about the springtime, mm. the, the parsley or the uh, celery, whatever we use for karpas, and, and what does it mean to be connected to springtime? What, mm. what, and mm. so you were yeah. telling me about something that I oh, want yes. you to share about yes. the, your veggie course. Yes, so we would definitely now like bring out an entire course of vegetables of our kind of karpas course, and it could be um, you know artichokes and and dips and baba ganoush and you know if we're having a milchik meal like a yogurt thing with um you know yogurt dips and so we really really filled up on this and this is like the only time of the year that my kids eat a lot of vegetables you know (laughs) because they're so hungry and it's late at night um but it was we also have done things around um you know excited about things that connect to this mindfulness and eating um and when we celebrate the bounty of the earth um uh, to be able to really celebrate and taste the carpas and enjoy it and and experience it, so not to rush through that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we 
The next piece of the, uh, the next phase of the Seder is called Yachatz. It's when we take the middle matzah of the three matzot on the table and we break it in half. And one of those pieces we save. When we save that for the afikoman. And the question is, which does it matter which piece we save? And in our tradition, it says that yes, it does matter. Mm-hmm. That which piece do we save? The larger piece. When you break a matzah in half, a square matzah in half, they don't come. It doesn't come out exactly right equal. Um, and so something that that I remember sharing at one of our seders is that um, Rabbi Lau, who was a hal- who is a Holocaust survivor, and um, actually became the chief rabbi of the state of Israel, which is really a phenomenal mm. thing. He tells the story of when he was a um, a child, and he and his brother Ruin was killed in the Holocaust. He and his brother basically like jumped off a train and. Um, and his brother said, you know, he said, run, my brother, run, just keep running. And he said, where should I run to? And, he, and the rabbi allowed, where should I run to? And his brother said, just run until you get to the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. Just keep running. Wow. And this man ultimately came, eventually mm-hmm. became the chief mm-hmm. rabbi of the, of the state of Israel, which is really just phenomenal. And he says um, that why do we keep the bigger half? Because, because when you're a slave, there's so much uncertainty in your life, you really don't know where your next meal is coming from, and you don't know, and therefore, you put away the biggest piece because you don't know how hungry you're going to be. I now, now, I know, now I know I can survive with just a few bites, but mm. I don't know how much hunger I'm going to be, and what I'm going to need, and who else I'm going to have to feed later. So I put away the, the mm. larger piece. Mm. It's an act of chesed, also thinking about other people. After the yachatz is the magid. It's the story time. It's the really it's the time that we make this night come alive and really come, um, you know, seeing ourselves as slaves. It's the time that we 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 begin to identify with the process of of slavery and liberation. Um, and so we want to share a couple of different things that we've done mm-hmm. in our seders at the Mag- uh, during this time of the magid, the telling of the story. Um, and one of the things that we've done, and which I really liked, is just to get people into the sort of the, the mindfulness of of what it feels like to be a slave, because we've never been slaves. Mm. Um, and so we had made this grab bag of um, all kinds of stuffed animal, kitchen spatula, toothbrush, all kinds of things that we prepared in advance. That are actually we asked our children to go to prepare this grab bag in advance, and then the children went around to each person and gave each person some object. And then each person told a brief story about something that happened to me when I was a slave using mm. this, right, mm. using this object. Like I remember one of my kids said, you know, this is my teddy bear. And like, and, and, and the Egyptians tried to take it away from me and, and, and I wouldn't let them. And it was something that I just held dear and I wanted to write. And so, because it was the only thing that made me feel like mm. I could per- perhaps be safe. I had something to hold on to. I had mm. something to hug and I didn't know what my future was going to hold. Um, and so each person basically came up with the very provocative and creative things, and that led into um, a sort of a surprise acting out of the of um, getting into the Seder story and really getting in touch with the feeling of not just showing that I'm a slave, but but really feeling identifying on some level what it that what that looks like. So I took everybody into a room. And mm-hmm. just said, everyone, okay, come on, get up from the table. Mm-hmm. We're going to go into a room. There's something really important that uh, that I have to tell you. So I went into this room, which I prepared in advance. It was all dark, and there was like one little tea light candle in there. And I had everybody, you know, sit down. And I said, look, it's really so painful for us to be in slavery. I don't know when we're going to get out. We don't know when, you know, we don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. We don't know what we're going to eat. We don't know. And, and, and there's really nothing we can do. We're really, we're helpless. There's really nothing we can do about it except... For pray, mm. for pray, prayer, and and but there's 
we really have absolutely no agency to do anything about this, so really the only thing we can do is to be here for each other. And I invited every person to share. As sort of the mother of the story, I said, you know, tell us, like, what, what was hard for you in this day? Hmm. What was painful for you in this day? And just so we can be there for each other. And I remember that um, my husband said, you know, coming home from such a hard day of work, I opened the refrigerator, there was nothing in the refrigerator. And it was so disappointing because I was so hungry. Hmm. And he said that from a place of, because he works with needy families, and when he goes into their homes to make home visits, that's what he sees in their, hmm. in their homes. And one of my sons, who was a soldier at the time, he said, you know, just being out in the hot sun all day long and just not having any break, and my legs were just so exhausted. And every person brought something from their own experience. It was totally impromptu, improvised. Um, and it was beautiful because all the kids sort of just got into a character of what it... They just got into the character of what I might feel like, what would be lacking for me, what would be painful for me if I was in slavery. Yeah, what I love about it is also that, you know, that it works on for multiple ages mm -hmm. in your family. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one thing that we sometimes struggle with as parents is that we do all this preparation, all this thinking in advance, and then ultimately, you know, our two-year-old's going to throw a tantrum, and our 10-year-old is going to be too cool for school, and our 15-year-old is going to be, you know, despondent on the couch, or, you know, but it sounds like this goes back to the Rambam of, like, of, of you know, the Harotetetzmo, and also the Rotetetzmo, you know, that you actually, you know, while you weren't there, but to be able to put yourself so much in, in that character, um, you know, is, a, is, is really, it's quite a feat, you know, to be able to engage everyone around the table. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just for a few minutes. It's not something that lasts mm -hmm. so long, but it's something that just sort of, you know, brings it, uh, it just brings the, the Seder to life for people. And it also so, moves you out of your space, you right, know? right, totally, right, um, to get so up to the add, table yeah, and move to huge. a different room. That's right. That's mm -hmm. really, right. Mm -hmm. I'm doing that. <laughs> um, you know, I'm thinking about with the Maggid section, it really, you know, it starts off with the four questions. Um, and, and the, you know, that, that role that the youngest child plays in asking these, these four questions. Um, and there was something else that, that I'm actually going to try this, um, this year that was kind of, uh, piqued my interest that someone just mentioned to me, which was to kind of use, um, questions not only about creating intimacy and intergenerational connection the way that we talked about mm -hmm. um, on our last podcast but also as a way of cultivating um, empathy and connection you know when we can ask each other questions um, we're we're definitely not enslaved right because as Aviva Zornberg once said that that nobody died of too many questions. They died of too many answers, right? When you're only always told what to do and where to be and how to do it, you just respond with, um, with, with obeying. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're in the position where you can ask a question, you can open up things that aren't, you don't know what the answer will be. But it's also an opportunity for kids to develop more empathy around just asking how we are, right? Mm -hmm. Like, to, you know, ask informative questions like, you know, well, what were your satyrs like when you were younger, you know, to the, to the older people in the group, but also to ask, you know, how are you, how are you experiencing Seder night, how's your Passover going, you know, just to kind of, to cultivate that sense of inquiry, empathy, connection, um, which sometimes are skills that we only learn later in life, so that's something that I'm going to try this, this when, year. When are you going to do that? Where are you going to... Um, so I think right after the four questions, you know, just, mm -hmm. just quickly, like, every Everyone turn to the person next to you and just kind of inquire, mm -hmm. you know, 
Uh, either what's something you're curious about with the person next to you, or um, just ask about their welfare. You know, ask how they are. Interesting. So simple and sweet, and, yeah. and, and can really open up uh, people's hearts at this point of the Seder. Yeah, for sure. You know, there, there's um, there's so much around plagues and Dayenu, you know, plagues talking about um, not only the plagues that happened, but um, in the in the in the Passover story itself, but also modern day plagues, right? What are the things that plague our our society, our countries, our communities, um, to be able to brainstorm that at the table mm-hmm. for everyone to like be that. able to offer mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dayenu, right, offering gratitude lists, what are we grateful for, what are modern day things that we're grateful for. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, dancing around Dayenu. Mm-hmm. I think you do this right. later, but we always get up and dance and we have timbrels in our hands as Miriam once did and mm-hmm. maracas mm-hmm. and all sorts of fanfare and some people sit there and are like, what's going on here? Uh-huh. And then others of us are just dancing raucously. But you know what? You do what I think part of part of liberation on Saturday night for me is just being able to be who I am. Yeah, and being liberated from yes. like yeah. being self-conscious. That's right, and not everybody has to do it. Absolutely. But I like to do that. Absolutely. And so I'm going to do that. Um, this brings us to the next part of the of the um, Seder night, which is eating the matzah. We wash our hands ritually um, in preparation for eating the matzah. And eating the matzah for me is um, is really a spiritual practice I've developed over the over the years. That um, and this is something I do every every year. It's not just a memory, but it's something that I do every year. And I tell people what I'm doing. It's a little strange, so I tell people what I'm doing before I do it. Um, but before I eat my matzah, I close my eyes. I take a deep breath. I try to feel my presence in the here and now, and then when I and I eat the matzah, the entire piece of matzah, without speaking and with my eyes closed, mm-hmm. and just as a sensory experience, it's a really a spiritual practice to really taste what that right bread of affliction that became the bread of redemption, because right because mm-hmm. we got out and it was we got out so fast suddenly like my our whole reality shifted, um, and and to be able to. To, to taste that and to just imagine it and to think about myself in so many different situations where I've actually felt small or mm. helpless in certain ways and how I've actually, with God's help, come through and with the help of my family and people who have supported me really come through and become a person who's transformed in so mm. many ways. So my spiritual practice of eating the matzah is really one of my climaxes of the Seder wow. night. And, and yeah, which brings me to the Hallel, yeah. um, which comes right after eating, is that this for me becomes... So then, right, of course, we eat the meal, um, but after that it really becomes a celebration. Oh, sorry, I skipped a something, okay. but it becomes... <laughs> I'm just going to fast-forward that it really becomes a real celebration of my sense of, um, of just deep gratitude to God for everything that I have, for everyone that I have in my life, and for mm-hmm. the kohot, the, 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 the strengths and the things that God's given me to be able to really be, come, and, and, and to be in the place where I am mm-hmm. today. So that's my matzah meditation. That's mm-hmm. such a climax for me wow. in the Seder. And while I'm doing that, a lot of people mm-hmm. are like joking around and like, you know, pass the haroset, whatever, and pass the homos, more Sparty mm-hmm. family, right? So... Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's fine because I just, you know, I came to terms with like not everyone has to be doing this. This mm. is my special thing, and some people join me, some people don't. But I love it. it's one of my highlights of turning inward, just to myself, eh, on this Seder night. Yeah, I also, I kind of the the meta thing that that brings up for me is how um, we 
you know what you said earlier that you get to like free ourselves we get to free ourselves from any kind of um, inhibitions that we have and sometimes I'm so I'm so busy thinking how how is everything that I had planned actually going to happen you know at the Seder and and being the kind of grand maestro of the event mm-hmm. together with my husband totally. um, and to be able to actually um, see the take, to take a moment really of Seder night and say this is for me. I actually won't need this spiritual practice. I want to not only do for other people and to create this experience for other people and together with them, but to do something that really nourishes me. So I love that just, I mean, it would take advanced planning just to think, what's that moment for you? Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. I love that. Right. So just at the very end, I have this also uh, um well, I want to tell you before you okay. go to your... Yes. Because yours is I'm just like too good at that. Right. Okay. So um, Elijah, I, think, I love opening the door for Elijah. Um, at the end, I remember, like years past, this was like the highlight for kids, even more than, than, uh, than, than the Afikomen sometimes. Uh, but the, the idea with Elijah, and this is um, like a kavana, really, an intention um, for, for me for this year, and it comes from Ayaka's um, Haggadah, Hearing Your Own Voice, um, and it talks like, Ari talks about um, the moment of opening the door for Elijah is almost kind of enacting what would it mean for Elijah, who's like the, the harbinger of, um, of, of the promise of the world to come, you know, who's at your doorstep, uh, who's this messenger, this prophet. What, um, what does it mean to imagine that he's actually there, that he's actually arrived for you. Mm. Um, and that just expands my thinking to think about, you know, what are the ways in which people that we meet every day um, might open up parts of ourselves mm. to us um, that we maybe didn't know that we needed, maybe are the hope and the promise that we needed in that moment. Um, maybe we can be that for other people Very also. Much so. I love that you know, idea. so just mm-hmm. to, and also even for the kids, Dafka, like they're the ones who are opening the door. Maybe they're that for other people, that they have that role of being the hope and the promise for others also. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a kind of a meditation that I'm going to be thinking about this year. Right, fantastic. We skipped over the meal, but I think we get that idea. And hiding the Abdicomen, <laughs> which is just the obvious highlight for everybody, including the prizes. Um, after the pouring the Elijah's cup, then we say Birkat Amazon. We so we bless God and we thank God for everything, basically that we have, um, at, right? For the food, for the land, for Jerusalem, for everything that we have and everything that we want, peace. And at the very, very end, and this is something that um, I always make I sure this. I stay up for. <laughs> as we sing the Hallel, I have this little like treasure chest of pom poms. I don't know where I got them. All these different colored pom poms. Was it high school? And, no. <laughs> Were you cheering there? Back there? No, no, no. <laughs> um, and uh, and I pull out pom poms and just toss them around the table and we sing hello. It's like cheering, like really cheering. Wow. Who are we cheering for? Cheering for God. Right. Who gave us all of this? So I think that some for me spiritual liberation is being able to say, I didn't do this by myself. Mm. I didn't get here by myself. Mm. I got here and we all got here and we are here today because God gave us the strength to endure all the things that we've endured and the imagination to be able to write to, 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 to think ahead and to believe and to, to, and to trust that there's places that we still want to go and, and that mm. things we still want to, um, to achieve as individuals, as mm. a family, as a nation, um, as a world. And so for me, halal is so much about that 
bringing my spiritual liberation, my physical liberation into a place of spiritual liberation and just being so really honestly, mm. authentically grateful to God. We stand up and we, we dance, I dance with the pom-poms. I just love that part. There's so many great songs in that hello. Amazing. And, uh, and amazing oh, and I remember um, you know that when we're preparing sometimes we think about also kind of what went well and not so well in years past mm-hmm. for us you know in our in our seders mm-hmm. and we've both been having this experience as we've been preparing for these podcasts to ask our kids what do they remember you know yeah. and my kids have all only remember the afikoman and I'm like what the afikoman <laughs> I didn't need to do all that work just for the afikoman right. um, but um, but you were sharing a beautiful story about Right. About when I think about this coming, preparing for the coming Seder, I last podcast said that it sort of brings up anxiety because I know that there's so many dreams and plans and things that I like to I, I imagine happening at the Seder, and of course they don't all happen, and they don't all happen the way that we want to have we want them to happen. Um, but in, one, in my file, my computer, I have a file which is Seder memories, and um, and basically what I do is the night after after the Seder is over, the next day after this, or two days after the Seder is over, um, I go to my computer and I write down the sweetest memories that I can remember. In other words, I create the memories. I mm. actually try to hold on to, try to think of each person who was at the Seder in some sweet moment mm. that I noticed, yeah. that they experienced, or that they shared, or that that they showed mm. on their face that night. And right. for me, that really makes the Seder, it really creates, like you talked about, Kahaneman saying, you know, we have the experience of the Seder, right. but we also have the way that we remember it. And for me, that's a choice. And right. I love to go back and read those notes of like, here's my Seder highlights, my right. Seder memories. And, um, and that really helps me to think about how wonderful Seder has to be mm. with all of its Right, you know, ups and downs and, and spilled, right, right. you know, um, grape juice on your newly white tablecloth right, right. and everything. everything. So, um, yeah, we're going to add a list of, um, our of, Seder of our Seder ideas and memories, and it's going to be on the source sheet. Um, and so we invite you to take a look at that and to, um, and to think about your own process of me- remembering, remembering your, your favorite memories moments from the Seder, asking other people about their favorite moments, um, and perhaps even writing for future, just, you know, for yourself to go back and reflect, writing the reflections after Seder's over, Mm. capturing the moments, Mm -hmm. and being able to think about the Seder, kind of like when we have our cell phones day to day, and we're like, oh, I'm going to take a picture of this, Mm -hmm. like to take a snapshot Snapshot, at our Seders at that moment, say, this is what I want to hold on to. Wow, well, we're wishing everyone a Chag Kasher B'Sameach, a happy and meaningful and memory-filled Seder night and Passover coming up. Thank you for listening to this Pardes Ayeka podcast on Inspired Parenting. For more about this podcast and other offerings from the Pardes Online Learning Channel, visit www.elmod.pardes.org.